This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Hello, listeners. This is Angela Huang. I am one of the new project managers, and I'm really excited and thankful to be joining The Law School Show. This episode features Professor John Marquise. He was the chief legislative counsel at the Legislative Services Branch of the Department of Justice. He is also the author of Executive Legislation and is currently a law professor at the University of Ottawa. This interview gives a thorough overview of how to achieve work-life balance, what being a legislative drafter is like, what sort of characteristics a good drafter possesses, how a management role differs from that of a lawyer, and more. So without further ado, here's the interview with Professor John Mark Keyes. I have a life, <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose one of the main parts of that life yeah. is my family. Um, I'm married and I mm-hmm. have four children, ranged from 30 to about 20. Um, they're wonderful children. I could talk about my family for <laughs> ages and ages. Anyway, maybe just suffice to say that I mean, that's sort of probably the most important part yeah, of my yeah. life, um, even more important than the law part. <laughs> um, I also have um, non-legal interests in uh-huh. theater. I'm the president of the Ottawa Little Theatre, mm-hmm. and so I spend a lot of time on managing issues in the administration of the theatre. Um, plus, mm-hmm. being a kind of a voice for the theatre, I give president speeches at the end of every production that we do. And once in a while, I yeah. actually get involved in the theatrical part of the theater. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I was uh-huh. um, on the stage and driving Miss Daisy. As, uh, I played the part of Bully, who oh. was Daisy's son. Okay. Um, I don't do that often enough, <laughs> but it's a huge commitment at the Ottawa yeah. Theater. The, the plays all run for three weeks. It's basically a three, four-month commitment. And mm-hmm. uh, trying to juggle that with other things is a bit of a challenge, so. Uh, I haven't done too much in the way of mm-hmm. acting in the last few years, but I still live in hope. And, Did you do act like? Were you involved with the theater while you were at law school at all, or did yeah. this start? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I, I, well, the first real play uh-huh. I was in, apart from primary school things, was in grade thirteen. I was in Pygmalion. Oh. I had a really small part in it. I was Freddie, who mm-hmm. was Eliza's sort of love interest. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, that kind of got me started. And then when I got into university, I started doing a fair bit of theater. And so, uh, yes, I was in plays all through law school as well. Um, they weren't plays at the law school. They were plays at the college where I had done my undergrad. So uh-huh. um, I just I continued to be involved in the theater company at that college and uh, did a fair bit of theater through, through university. And then, after I um, finished my legal uh-huh. studies and started practicing law, I got involved in community theater in a little place north of Toronto, a theater called the Black Horse Village Players, which was operating out of an old one-room schoolhouse, as it were. <laughs> uh, so I did. I was there for a yeah. year. I did um, 
plays. I acted in two plays. I did production work in two other plays. And then when I came to Ottawa, after a couple of years, I got involved with the Ottawa Little Theatre. And that's mainly where I've done my theatrical work. So how did you balance your time between, I guess, your interests versus uh, your career? So sort of like a jump, but I just thought it was a good segue. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's a good question because theater tends to consume a fair bit of time. But um, I guess I'm fairly disciplined in mm-hmm. how I manage my time, and so I continue to focus on my studies and on my work, and still devoted lots of time to that. And then in those periods when I was involved in theater, I was. That was basically the other thing I spent time mm-hmm. on. I didn't spend time on much else. And um, and then those theatrical experiences tend to be kind of intensive in that way. And so for a while, I just did, you know, school and theater and sleeping. And then when the play is over, yeah. I kind of return to more of a normal life where I'm doing some other things as well. So it was largely just through... Focusing on what mm-hmm. I want to do, being committed and wanting to do it, and dedicating the time needed for it. So just being efficient with your time yeah. and not wasting yeah. it on. But I don't think things. I could ever say that my studies suffered or my mm-hmm. work suffered. Um, you know, maybe my personal life suffered a bit <laughs> in terms of not having time for other stuff. But, yeah. yeah. But it was like a good stress management. Sort well, of yeah, the theater is altogether yeah. different. Um, it's something that I found really invigorating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, taking on, understanding where a part, developing a character, and then performing. Um, so with theater, I mean, you know, you spend a lot more time rehearsing than you do performing. Mm-hmm. And the, the, that rehearsal period is, to me, to my mind, just as interesting as the performance part of it. It's just you're working with other people. You're building a production mm-hmm. yeah and then at a certain point you go on the stage in front of a lot of people and hope they like it <laughs> yeah there's probably a lot of reading too right if you're well memorizing it's, it's memory stuff. Work if you're an actor <laughs> yeah. but i found the memory work wasn't too difficult I not as much as law school yeah. okay so i guess moving from your interests, what was your law school experience like? Um, well, three years and three sort of different years. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into law school after two years of undergrad, so I was among the most junior people in my, my law school class. And so I guess you know I felt a little intimidated. There were four people with doctorates in my class. There <laughs> were you know, probably yeah. about 20 people with MAs. Or MSCs, and so I was really at the bottom in terms mm. of academic uh, experience. Um, but by the same token, I, I found it a, an absolutely fascinating year. It, it introduced me to things that I had never really thought too much about, just a way of, of thinking. And so it was um, one of the most stimulating years of my life because mm-hmm. all of this was new, um, was fascinating. And um, I hadn't yet got any marks because everything <laughs> depended on the end of the final exam. So, you know, it was wonderful <laughs> my first year. Um, plus, I was with a group of people who were you know, fairly 
rigorous in their approaches to things and um, and I enjoyed that environment and you know interacting with with uh, with them on the kinds of problems that we had so um, in my first year though I in, in law school I I went to my classes and um, I didn't spend a lot of time apart from that at the law school well I, I, I guess I went to the library did my uh -huh. research and stuff uh, but my my social life was was elsewhere I was living at another college um, so I was actually living fairly close to the law school but not on the law school so um, I I was engaged in my studies and in that formal uh -huh. part of law school but not nearly as much in the social aspect of the law school so I met people in, in law school and, and, and some of them um, became friends that la friendships that lasted after law school but not really that many my, my social life was really somewhere else during during law school so would that be one of the things that you would have done differently I guess um, or is there something else the, the, that you the one might thing have that done? sprang to mind yeah. first with that question and uh, was that I would have waited to go to law school I would have mm -hmm. done another year or two of undergrad um, that you know I felt that might have brought a little bit more maturity a little more understanding rather than you know just jumping into this you know, after my second year <laughs> um, I think that's still true um, mm -hmm. Although, you know, when I, I think about that in terms of how fascinating I found that first year, right? I guess maybe I would have, you know, if I'd waited a couple more years, I still would have been fascinated by first year. Maybe even more fascinated by first year, who knows? Yeah. But yeah, I guess if there was one thing I would do differently, it would have been to wait um, a little bit longer before going to, to law school. How, how did you even decide to go to law school? Was it something that was always on your mind? or um, From a relatively early age, I discovered what lawyers were and got really quite interested in them. From the time I was about 11 or 12 years old, um, I was aware that there were these people called lawyers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I watched the, the Perry Mason type TV shows. <laughs> and, um, and I guess I got fascinated with with that role of mm -hmm. one advocate of, of somebody who helps people you know, resolve the problems who fights for justice uh, um, that, that's something that I think always appealed to me in my growing up was that um, I, I wanted to be involved in something that was more than just kind of making a living mm. just, you know being part of society and, you know helping to make it a better world and so the law it struck me was something that um, where you could make that kind of a difference um, also I, I fairly early on I think I, I developed a, an ability to to speak and certainly in my latter mm -hmm. years of high school I was involved in public speaking a lot um, I enjoyed doing presentations and classes in my school work um, I guess I enjoyed that kind of leadership Dimension, mm -hmm. and so I thought law is probably a good <laughs> a good way to help with those leader build those leadership skills. <laughs> so how did you go from I guess figure uh, discovering your passion for law and then figuring out that statutory 
They're drafting legislation, legislation was what well, you wanted. Well, um, yeah, I don't think I really focused on the legislative world until mm -hmm. after I finished law school. As is typical of so many law schools in this country, they, we didn't spend a lot of time studying the legislative process or legislative interpretation. Um, everything was focused on substantive areas of law or to some extent of some of the, the aspect, areas of legal theory mm -hmm. as well. Um, but uh, in my, my encounters with legislation were in courses like uh, like corporate and commercial law, where mm. we had a three-volume case book, and the first two volumes were cases, and the third volume was was statutes, legislation. <laughs> but in the course, we never looked at the legislation. We oh, just really? Read, read the cases. And the professor <laughs> talked about the cases. There was very little attention paid uh -huh, to the legislation. Uh -huh. I think he probably felt, well, I'll give them the legislation, and they'll learn that on their own, but. Well, of course, we did. Yeah. You know, the, those that that volume of the casebook was virtually unopened by me and by everybody <laughs> else in the class. So I had this dim awareness uh -huh. that there was something called legislation, <laughs> <laughs> and you would sometimes see courts yeah. talking about it and and even interpreting it and applying it, but you know, it it, it never really congealed as mm -hmm. a as a separate uh, focus of study until after I finished law school and I started articling. With the Ministry of the Attorney General in Ontario, in mm -hmm. Toronto, um, I was with the Policy Development Branch, which was the policy uh, support for the uh, for the Attorney General, the Ontario Attorney General. And so, this was a relatively small group of lawyers who did research on legislation that the Attorney General was responsible for. So, all the family law legislation was under the auspices of the of the Attorney General. Um, uh, legislation dealing with the courts was under the Attorney General. Uh, legislation dealing with uh, with sort of the, the penal side of, of laws um, was the Attorney General. And what I ended up working on in the year I was articling were, were two pieces of legislation, the Occupier's Liability Act and the Trespass to Property Act. Oh. And Occupier's Liability Act was a completely new act. The Trespass to Property Act was an old mm -hmm. piece of legislation, but they've been put together in a policy project as um, you know, tandem uh, reforms to, on the one hand, uh, the protection of property through trespass to property legislation, but on the other hand, reforms of tort law. Um, and one of the drivers of this were, was, was, was common law case law that said, um, occupiers own absolutely no duty of care to, mm -hmm. uh, to people who are trespassers. You come on property as a trespasser and you take your life into your hands. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty brutal the way the common law yeah. approached that kind of liability. Even in cases where it was foreseeable the trespassers were going to come on the property and sometimes these trespassers were little trespassers like kids mm -hmm. who ended up getting badly hurt and yet no liability, no compensation. So this developed a policy impetus to do something to reform the law. So um, I spent the year working in support of the policy work and the drafting work that eventually went on um, for the drafting of the legislation. And then I saw the legislation go through the legislative process mm -hmm. as well.
And uh, so that was really my exposure and my introduction to this world of legislation, and in particular legislative drafting. That year was the year I also discovered Dreger, and this incredible book called The Construction of Statutes, which I had never seen in law school. Yeah. Um, you know, the only, I, I had um, had some notice of, of Dreger in law school because mm -hmm. I'd seen these posters for the Dreger Pigeon Fellowship that was offered here at the University of Ottawa uh, to study legislative drafting. but. Mm -hmm. You know, I had no idea what legislative drafting was, and I didn't pay much attention to the posters until later. <laughs> uh, because then, you know, yeah, when I articled, yeah. I discovered construction of statutes, I discovered Dreger, and, mm -hmm. and I really got interested in this notion of interpretation and in these approaches to interpretation. Um, and then, of course, in the world of, of drafting, you see a real application for those, those kinds of things. So... Um, how did you rule out other interests? You were you always interested just in the public sector? Um, yeah, I guess it was really a gradual winnowing away of, mm -hmm. of potential interests in in law. You know, when I was in high school, I thought I might become a trial lawyer. I suppose, like you know, <laughs> the guys on TV. Um, but by the time I got into law school, I wasn't sure that was what I. I really wanted to do, and um, uh, and I guess in in law school I um, I did a fair bit of legal aid, mm -hmm. and um, and so that was a way of really channeling this desire to you know help in society, um, and uh, and and that kind of led me into thinking that. Uh, uh, working government was probably the kind of thing I wanted to do. Um, you know, I really wasn't interested in making a lot of money. I just I wanted an interesting job and mm -hmm. I wanted yeah. to make a difference. Yeah. Those were my two objectives. And so through law school, I was sort of gravitating towards something in government, but I wasn't, you know, altogether sure what that would be. And um, it actually... In, in my second year, I kind of put off searching for articles because I, I really wasn't interested in a job with a Bay Street law firm uh, or with any law firm for mm -hmm. that matter. And um, and so uh, I applied for this job with the uh, with the government, which their article interviews were much later in the season. I think that was strategic on their part because they they really wanted to get people who were interested in this kind of work and not just, you know, somebody mm -hmm. who wanted a cushy government job. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was their logic. <laughs> yeah. Deferring the articling yeah. interviews. So anyway, that, that sort of got me involved in, in, uh, in government work and in particular in, um, in the legislative field. So what would be an advice to someone in law school who's still looking for their interest? Well, um, Try to figure out what areas of law really interest you. And, and when I was in law school, I got quite interested in, in family law. Um, and more just because of the nature of it and you know, trying to involve, trying to resolve uh, conflicts and issues mm -hmm. in, in domestic situations. And I thought at one point that maybe I would end up practicing in the field of, uh, of family law. When I articled, um, ironically, although that that um, 
Ministry of the Attorney General unit have been responsible for these massive reforms in family law. By the time I got there, those reforms were pretty much finished. At least that phase of them was finished. You know, the Family Law Reform Act had been passed. Succession Law Reform Act was passed. You know, all of that was done. Uh -huh. And you know, there would eventually there would be another wave of reform about ten years later when people figured out that maybe some of this isn't quite working. But so I I, I got there right after all the interesting family uh. law work was over. Which is why I ended up doing trespass to property and occupier's liability, which you know had not been high on my list of, uh -huh. of, of areas of practice when I, I was doing don't think that's high on a lot of people's <laughs> lists. But, but you know, I took what yeah. I was given, and and there were some kind of interesting uh -huh. issues in all of that. You know, I, I out of that experience, I generated my first uh, law review article. Um, an obscure little piece on uh, on the liability of lawyers in negligence, uh -huh. um, which I ended up getting uh, getting published. And I'm not that didn't have anything to do with occupiers' liability and trespass to property theft because I did work on a few other few yeah. other projects when I was there. Uh, in addition to those. So, how did you tr uh, transition from the Ministry of Attorney General to uh, Department of Justice? Well, um, it was a kind of a long transition, well, relatively long. I didn't go directly. I did the bar admission course after mm -hmm. I articled. And my preference would have been to go back and work for the government somewhere. But this was 1981, and um, we were in a pretty deep recession mm -hmm. at that point. Uh, a recession that's you know, probably deeper than the one that we've just been coming through mm -hmm. now. Um, and so the government was not hiring anybody. <laughs> so there were no opportunities in government. There were not a lot of opportunities elsewhere either. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going back to my hometown and working with one of the local lawyers in a small town practice north of Toronto. Um, it was actually my, well, my hometown was Alliston, and this mm -hmm. was the village of Tottenham, which was just south of Alliston. And, um, the the lawyer who hired me had known me um, because I'd gone to school with his kids, and uh, I don't know he our paths had crossed somehow, you know, before that, and so um, he was quite eager to hire me, um, although um, it wasn't exactly a thriving law practice. <laughs> <laughs> He'd had some reversals of his own yeah. in terms of his practice. Um, uh, somebody had uh, just left the practice recently and set up an office across the street and took a lot of his business away uh. from him. So, yeah, plus with the recession, uh -huh. um, interest rates, like mortgage rates, were above 20%. Oh, wow. If you could imagine that, you know, paying 20% interest annually on a mortgage, um, it had a dampening effect <laughs> on the real estate market. <laughs> And, and this practice, the backbone of the practice was uh -huh. real estate. This oh, was, no. was sort of a, a bedroom community to Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, so developers were building uh, a lot of residential development that people who would buy it and then commute to Toronto because it was less than an hour's drive to Toronto from here. And uh, But even that market was, was seriously mm -hmm. depressed through this period because of the, the economic downturn. So. I spent um, a little over a year working in that practice and learning really the very practical sides of a small town practice. So, you know, I learned a fair bit about doing real estate, um, uh, even though, you know, I'd done a real estate course in law school, but that was about it. 
Um, my real estate rotation with the Ministry of the Attorney General had been a visit to the registry office one morning. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> for real estate. <laughs> because they didn't do a lot of real estate transactions in the policy development branch. <laughs> so... Um, uh, and, and then I did a little bit of criminal work uh-huh. as well. I, I acted as duty counsel at a couple of the local courts. Plus, I had a few you know, small-town criminal clients. Um, you know, I had one guy who stole a pair of skis when he was at a ski resort in Collingwood <laughs> and managed to get caught. Um, and so I you know, defended him yeah. up in Collingwood one day, and um, I had a few impaired driving. So... Um, I had this this minor criminal practice as well, but I was you know just sort of learning it as I went along. And the lawyer I was with had not done a lot of this other work. He had mainly done sort of a corporate practice and real estate banking mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, so he, I could go to him for some general advice on how to deal with things, but you know I was pretty much on my own. So I spent a year or so learning to practice law at a grassroots level. Um, And it really gave me a very pragmatic focus on things. It took me out of the ivory tower of law school (laughs) and the ivory tower of government, and it brought me face-to-face with real people with real problems. And, and I had, you know, a number of these people and, and, um, you know, sometimes I had a few difficult clients as well, or they had intractable problems. Um, although I, I think I worked my way through a mm-hmm. lot of them and I actually accomplished, I look back at it, I think I, I accomplished a fair bit. Uh, you know, one of my clients had been, um, involved in workers' compensation and actually that was an area of practice that I knew something about because of my legal aid practice in, in law school. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had, uh, in my first year of law school, I um, had uh, started working at a general legal aid clinic. But for my second and third years, I worked at what was called the Union of Injured Workers on Queen Street in Toronto. And this was a legal aid clinic that specialized in workers' compensation claims. And, and, And actually there, I got to work with more senior students who had been doing these cases for ages. And... And I developed a certain expertise in workers' compensation uh, cases. And so, you know, here I am you know, a couple of years later in this practice uh, in Toronto, and lo and behold, I get somebody with a workers' compensation claim. <laughs> and, and her claim had gone on for years and years, and she really hadn't gotten very far. And, mm-hmm. and over the course of about eight or nine months, I actually managed to win the case for her and oh, get her something. Wow. So, <laughs> Um, there were I had these these small little victories mm-hmm. here and there in this practice that um, were really quite uh, encouraging to me. So it, it it gave me a different perspective on the practice of law and a much more practical focus. I think um, a year into this this practice, um, things were not really improving a whole lot. Uh, the real estate market was not picking up. And I kind of recalled these posters that I'd seen in law school for this <laughs> Dredger Pigeon Fellowship and this drafting program at the University of Ottawa. So I decided to apply uh, for it, uh, you know, as a way of pursuing this interest that I had started when I was articling. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, not being too sure of where things were going with, with my law practice. You know, I was learning stuff, but is there a future here? I wasn't so sure. And uh, anyway, I applied for this program and, um, and eventually I got accepted. It was more or less at the last minute in August before the whole thing started. So I've been well down in the list of, of applicants, but eventually they got to me <laughs> and offered me, offered me a place in the program. So um, I took it, I moved to Ottawa, and, um, and in that program I really discovered that yes, this was something that, that I could do really well, mm -hmm. that I really enjoyed. Um, I did very well in that program, I, I did far better than I'd done in my undergrad. Um, in terms of, uh, of the marks that I got in the, in the program here. Um, and then that was the launching pad to get into the federal government. And I, I started actually in the, uh, the Department of Transport, oh. drafting aviation regulations. They had a small unit of people mm -hmm. to help them draft regulations. And, and um, because at that, well, at that point and to a large ex extent as well, still, uh, regulations are drafted in departments. They're not drafted centrally by mm -hmm. by uh, Department of Justice drafters. There are a couple of big exceptions to that now, as you, you may have been finding out. Yes. In the Department <laughs> of Transport, and in the Department of Health, yeah. they have specialized <laughs> units of justice drafters who do all the drafting. But at the time, there was mm -hmm. no transport drafting unit, and so transport was hiring these graduates from this drafting program to oh. help them because they were really keen on getting. Their, their regulations yeah. to move forward. So I spent a year drafting aviation regulations with officials in the Department of, uh, Department of Transport. And then after a year, um, there were job openings in Justice, and so I applied for one of them in the Privy Council Office section, mm -hmm. which is the, was the name of the section that, um, that did the review of all government regulations and basically did some of the drafting. It's now called the Regulations Section but it was the same thing. And uh, so I was hired there after my year in transport and I spent the rest of my career in my <laughs> drafting career in, in, uh, in justice. So what's the day-to-day, -day, I guess, responsibilities of a drafter? I think a lot of people don't mm. really know or understand <laughs> how drafting works. I mean, I only recently discovered... That we exist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people called drafters yeah. or legislative But it's not really fancy. Like, they have the computer panels. Yeah. Yeah. Where well, you start drafting. Well, essentially, <laughs> a drafter is supposed to take policy ideas yeah. and transform them into legislative text, either bills for mm -hmm. international parliament or draft regulations. And um, much depends on, on how advanced that policy development work is. Um, sometimes that policy development work has, has gone into actually talking about legislative language. Uh, other times the policy is, you know, we want a law that will do this. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that will punish people for, you know, doing these, uh, these particular uh, things that cause regulatory problems or uh, a law that will set up an agency that will administer some program. And so the drafter's job is to try to figure out, well, what kind of legislative language would you need to you know, create these offenses, to create these, these, these public institutions. 
And so a lot of it is, is looking at models of things that already exist, mm -hmm. um, you know, transforming them, building on them to, you know, as building blocks for a piece of legislation. But um, some of it as well is really original drafting. Um, you know, you're creating an absolutely new agency. So you're creating a mandate for that agency. Well, what language do you use to create that mandate? Mm -hmm. There's no model out there for this agency. It's never existed before. So you have to start working with the policy people. And they may have you know, thought of all the things that you know, they want this agency to do. So they've got a list that's a mile long, but you're not going to put a mile long <laughs> list in legislation to create this. So you've got to synthesize that mile-long list. You've got to, you know, how you describe this more generically, more generally. Um, so it's those kinds of things that, that the drafters are doing. They're working from instructions that say we want a law that does something, mm -hmm. and it's their job to figure out, you know, what what legislative text is needed to accomplish that, and and also to figure out how that legislative text is going to fit into the, the whole body of legislation because pieces of legislation don't stand alone. Mm -hmm. uh, they fit into an existing legislative system. So if you're creating offenses or you want to penalize conduct, you're not going to you know, create a new criminal code every time you create <laughs> an offense. That'd be crazy. <laughs> you know, what you want to do is create something that will fit yeah. plug into yeah. the criminal code. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the case with all kinds of other pieces of legislation. Or you're, you're working in one area and there's some other related legislation, and so you've got to pay attention to that so that you don't introduce conflicts. Um, that's another you know, really important function of a legislative council is to ensure that what you draft works harmoniously with all the rest of mm -hmm. what's out there, that you're not creating conflicts with other legislation. Uh, because if you're drafting something that is in conflict with that other legislation, that's a policy problem that you have to get a solution to. You know, I, one of one of those pieces of legislation has to give. So which one are you going to change? Mm. Are you going to change the other piece of legislation, or are you going to modify the policy proposal so that it fits with that piece of legislation? But that's a policy question. Uh, but the drafter's skill is to identify that there's a conflict. <laughs> Which, you know, is another yeah. illustration of how statutory interpretation is, is, is vital. You have to know how to read legislation mm -hmm. to figure out whether you've got conflict with other, with other pieces of legislation. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from the Law School Show. Career advancing advice, right to your earbuds.